Welcome to the pastor's... Oh, you cleared your throat while I was doing it. Welcome to the pastor's... It doesn't matter who's here. It just happens. There's no way to avoid it. Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and with me today are Pastors Brian, hello, and Pastor Jose. Hi, and we are going to be talking about one of our core values today: our core value of being collaboratively structured. Now, we are going to have to make up for a little bit in the humor department because Matt's not here. So, how are we going to do that? I mean, like, is there a strategy? <laughs> like, I, I don't even know. Jose, what do you I think? It's kind of a fly by night. Sort Jose, of what do you got? Thing. Yeah. Well, I, I got a lot of jokes, just like Matt. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll just. But can you wait after no one laughs for a long time uh, until they laugh? That, which is that, kind of an art. It, it is an art, especially. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot do that. We need Matt. It's hard. <laughs> we need Matt. He just has that confidence. <laughs> he he does. Just, like you're gonna get there. Yeah. I believe it, and then you do. It, it, you know, I had a plan for this podcast, but now I'm thinking we should just talk about Matt. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we just record a half an hour of the three of I'm us. I'm not sure I like this precedent. <laughs> How we can live without Matt? It's impossible. All right. So so we, we what we are going to do is talk about the um, our core value. One of our core values, and particularly the core value of being collaboratively structured. So, but we played this game last time, and just to remind people what our core values are, we have to see if we can still name them all. So, I just named one of them. One of our our core values is that we are collaboratively structured. That's what we're going to talk about today. Last time. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Jose. I have one. Oh, you got one. The, the one that I had to do. Okay. Gospel-centered. Gospel-centered. <laughs> Absolutely. What, what else we got? We have people-oriented. People-oriented. We are theologically engaged. Um, one more, right? We got two more, actually. Globally and locally Globally invested. and locally invested. Globally, locally invested. invested. Yep. Um, and... The oh, and intentionally unified. Yep. Yes, and intentionally unified. So um, today we're talking about the what it means that we as a church have a, a a value, and really what we call a core value of being collaboratively structured. Um, so wh- why don't we start by just trying to explain what we mean by collaboratively structured? Like what what is that? What does that encompass? How how would you describe that to somebody who asked? Um, what our core value is. <laughs> what does that word mean? <laughs> we tell them that we don't like to define things. Um, we uh, no, So collaboratively structured means that uh, ideally kind of from top to bottom, the, uh, the posture we're going to take and the way we're going to try and organize ourselves and structure ourselves uh, is one that involves teams. It involves multiple voices and not just kind of hierarchies where one person kind of has all the thoughts and makes the decisions and everyone else kind of carries those out. Mm. So the idea is it's a very team-based kind of environment and that that's something that we actually, we don't just sort of sort of like, but we actually pursue structurally. Mm-hmm. Hence, like you, you don't have like one senior pastor and then multiple associate pastors that report to the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. We have a plurality of pastors. We have lots of pastors all on the same level that collaborate as we lead the church. And it's not just at the pastoral level. It mm-hmm. also runs down into a lot of the other areas of the church, multiple musicians and music leaders, multiple preachers. Like it's kind of a way in which we're trying to do things by team mm-hmm. and collaborate as we lead and minister. Yeah. I mean, I think this, this is why we want all the shapes of ministry leadership to involve this, right? Community group leaders, um, people who are invested in youth. I was thinking about life, our life group leaders and, our 
when we started life groups, whatever it was, like, you know, a year ago for our youth, for our junior high and high schoolers, um, Jeremy just kind of very naturally created three or four leaders for each group. And I, I remember getting the question even from a parent, like, wait, why, why don't they just have one leader, <laughs> right? And, and part of it is because of this value a, as a church in the benefit both to one another in leadership and the benefit to those they're ministering to from various and diverse uh, voices and, and, and participation. So, so we'll talk a little bit about practically what that looks like, but let, let's start just biblically what, what's the biblical reasoning for this? Like, where where do we see this in Scripture? What does that what does that look like? Well, it's it's, it's all over uh, the Scripture. I mean, it, I know we're we're just going back to the hierarchy uh, model, right? Mm. If anything, uh, uh, I think what we're doing is trying to turn it upside down, where uh, the leaders, the, the the pastors, the elders, they're at the bottom of the pyramid. I remember mm. you, Scott drawing that drawing on a whiteboard mm. and it was very very um one of those images that stayed with you mm. that you're at the bottom serving so it's an inverted hierarchy where you seek to to serve and then you have this i mean through the gospels the gospels yeah. talk about that uh, philippians uh philippians 2 2 you know it, th- there's always looking at at others uh, better greater than yourself and serving them and 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 that is that is what Christ did. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he is, he is the greatest example of that uh, model. You know, th- that's actually really, I think, it's interesting and actually really insightful because I think the place my mind first went to, even just to answer this question, is you know, the examples in the New Testament of what leadership and ministry looks like, the instructions about it. But I think what, what you're pointing out, Jose, is that this is the natural outflow of mm-hmm. our of a uniquely Christian ethic, right? Right. That, that, that an ethic that says, that considers others more significant than myself, that seeks to love others, to empower others, to engage with and, and, and lift others up, to sacrifice for others, will, will nat- naturally result in collaboration, right? right? Naturally results in um, the, the, the benefit of the other, the benefit of a team in, in how it builds. And so, and I think that, that it, it flows, kind of, kind of goes hand in hand mm-hmm. then with the instructions and the example we see in the New Testament when, you know, whenever disciples, uh, apostles are sent out, they're always sent out. It's never just one person sent yeah. out, right? It's, it's, it's always, there's always more than one. Second, secondly, when, whenever elders are called to be appointed in the churches, it's always a plurality of elders. A- any example you ever see of elders in the church it's, it, there, there's no letter written to the elder right it's 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 always plural and and we see this in the um not just among elders but even in the qualifications that paul mm-hmm. gives to timothy for the local church right it's it, it's for elders plural it's for deacons it's for servant ministers plural it's for the, and the idea is that there's this this whole body of people that are uh, serving one another, caring for one another, teaching, using their gifts, qualified in using their gifts if, for one another, and that, there, that there's this constant mutual blessing that I think uh, oftentimes gets um, oftentimes gets downplayed when we structure the church in more kind of modern ways. 
Right, so I mean, actually, let, let, let's talk about it a little bit. Like, what, what's the alternative, right? I think if, if you say our church is uniquely collaboratively structured, I think all Christians would say, I like collaboration, right? Like, of course, like, I, I want to help people and I want to empower people. Like, what what makes that unique? Like, what, what are the... Um, what are the other maybe types of structures that what, that we're saying that the way that we are pursuing this is um, a distinctive, we want it to be a distinctive of the local church here? The most common one is probably just like the hierarchy, the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of, uh, there's reasons people go that route. I mean, the, yeah. you know, you kind of hinted at earlier, like there's, there's an efficiency there. Um, and there's kind of a sense that, you know, uh, there's some order to things. It's like, okay, so we kind of want to have um, people with certain talents or gifts, let's say, in a certain position, and then they can kind of use those, and other people kind of come alongside and help them. But I think that's probably the most common one mm-hmm. is just kind of the, like, you you flesh it out like a, like a big triangle, so the top-down mm-hmm. system, where one person does kind of the dreaming and the thinking or in different Christian terms, like the visioning, you know, like, and, and then like the church follows that vision by kind of putting everyone else in a supplemental role to that vision with the idea that that's like kind of how they're going to get the vision God gave to the person in charge kind of accomplished. Mm -hmm. Um, That's probably the main one. Yeah. I mean, so this actually thinks, it makes me think about, I'm going to come back and maybe answer that question a little bit more, but it, it, it makes me think about the concept that God builds his church. Right. And it, this is something that we talk about a lot. It's, it's actually a phrase that we use a lot. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure how common it is just heard by average people in our church. Um, maybe mm-hmm. you, you may have heard it in an intro class. You may have heard it described. But again, that's kind of one of those phrases. Like, of course, God built his church. But what Brian, I, I'd love just for you to take a minute and explain kind of uniquely what we mean when we say that and the, the implications of that. It's pretty important. Um, yeah. And it, you're right. It's interesting. I never really thought about that, but we don't say it publicly a lot. Um, and we probably should. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about it privately, like, yeah, like you know, it, among staff and leadership. Yeah. We talk about it. And that's what I was, I was just realizing. It's, it's not maybe a phrase that's as prominent publicly. No. And this is, it's probably fits in this core value the best. Yeah. So th- I think in a nutshell, the idea is that the one who takes the initiative in building the church, whether in kind of a universal sense or a local sense like ours, is God and not us. And so in a way, we sort of conceive of ourselves as pastors as like first responders. So our job is to kind of look at what God is doing and uh, go along with it and, you know, set up... uh, systems and structures and pastor people and like respond essentially to all the things God's doing. And we have a, a sense of like, how do you know what God's doing? And we kind of have these three things. Hey, three. Um, <laughs> no wonder Brian's talking about it. Uh, one is, you know, how do you figure out how God's building his church? Well, he builds it through his word. That's, that's really clear. And so as you go to scripture, you're no, you're seeing what you're responding to, what God wants his church to be like. And so that's, that's a really clear one. Um, and even in that though, I, I want to start qualifying because like, there's some people who say, well, yeah, like we go, we're going to go do our thing. And we kind of, we kind of check the Bible along the way to see if we're doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not what we mean. Mm-hmm. We mean yeah. like actually derive from scripture, n- not like, well, we'll just see if the Bible disagrees at some point here and there. We really think that you got to go to the Bible and say, what is God saying in a holistic, thoughtful, reflective kind of way? 
and then go, that's what we need to be doing versus I got an idea. Let me see if it's biblical or not by cross-referencing it and then going ahead anyway. So that's the first one. Yeah. The second one is, uh, well, it depends on how you want to do it, but the, yeah. the second one is uh, divinely ordained circumstances or in the old doctrinal like terminology, providence. And so God sets you know, our times and seasons and apportions them and puts us in different places and has us born at certain times and has different things happen and nothing's outside of his providential control. And so sometimes you have to respond to that. And that's part of him building his church. I, I think of an example where when we were a church plant, we one day just like lost our building <laughs> we were meeting in. It's yeah. like, and we really didn't want to be like a college. That's church. why we're so prepared for this. Oh yeah. We, we've oh, had the rug pulled out many times. That's right. But the, yeah, we had decided uh, this is back when we were a church plant and it was a very young crowd. We didn't want to be like a college church, quote unquote, where it was just college students because we really appreciated another core value, mm-hmm. just being intentionally unified, like a multi-blank church. Um, and yet we lost our, the only building we could find was a movie theater in the heart of Westwood, like right at the bottom of the hill at UCLA. So God does stuff. So he's, so you can't kick and scream against that. You got to go, okay, well, let's follow what God's doing. And then the third one, and probably the most important for this topic is he does it through the gifting of his people. Yeah. And so when you read scripture and you wonder why are we collaboratively structured, you have to look at things like in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians, different places where it talks about the church as a body and other places where like 1 Peter and Ephesians talks about the church as like a temple or a building. There's an architectural metaphor and an organic metaphor, all these things. Um, but you talk about the gifts as meant to be used for the building up of the body. And what typically happens in other forms of church or other structures Mm -hmm. is the structures themselves kind of run against that. Mm. So what happens is you've got the kind of the visionary or someone who's leading and then everyone else is meant to implement that vision. So when someone new comes to the church, you have a pre-selected set of labels to put on them that apply to that vision you already have. Yeah. So, you know, you're, we're going to be about small groups. So you're going to be a small group leader, or we're going to be about you know, ministering to the homeless, so you're going to you know, be in the, in the food kitchen. Or there's like, everyone that comes in, there's these, these discrete, already assembled boxes that they're going to have to fit in because you already have your vision. You've already got where you're going. Yeah. But in you think about gifting, that's not really how it works. It's an organic thing. So when God brings, I tell people this in our like, membership interviews, when God brings someone to the church, the whole church changes. Yeah. Because now you have someone new who's gifted in certain ways, and our job is to, again, first responders, to respond to that. My favorite story being Matt Kleinhans, <laughs> yeah. who we said we were going to talk about earlier. But yeah. I remember meeting Matt when he was 18 and like young and green and, and full of zeal. And like wanted. And he said, I want to work with the homeless in Westwood. And I remember being like, OK, like I know them. Um, and this is years and years ago. So I don't know them now. Like, yeah. um, but I actually knew a, a decent amount of the homeless people that were regularly on the streets of Westwood because I was a college student there and I graduated from there. And so I knew them by name. And. And I knew all sorts of things about them. I had some relationships with them. And I remember thinking, like, you're 18. Like, they're going to kind of chew you up and spit you out. It's not going to go well. Yeah. You know, like, I, you know, and I'd much rather you lead a small group because that's kind of my vision. For, you know, I love yeah. you. I have a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my vision for your life. But I had these things in my head about God builds his church. Mm. Like, well, I got to at least let him try. Because, <laughs> like, mm. you know, Matt's Matt. The church is different now that he's here. So, you know, and he wasn't a pastor at that point or anything. It was just a new person. And lo and behold, didn't he have like two or three like homeless Bible studies going in like yeah, six yeah. months? It was yeah, incredible. Yeah. Like what if I would have squashed yeah. that and said, well, I have my vision. 
Yeah, no, that, I, that's not what our church is about. Yeah, we like, don't our do that. About here. X. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I know, and so that's where you kind of go. Okay, being collaboratively structured is a way of embracing that God builds His church. Mm-hmm. And so when someone comes, how can you shut a voice down? Like, mm-hmm. how can you not listen to the voices God brings and not pay attention to the gifts He's brought to the table? Um, that doesn't make any sense at all. And that's why you go, well, that's one of the ways God builds his church. And and so that we have to be collaboratively structured, I would say, to really not set up a way of being church organizationally that intentionally or not excludes those voices and pushes them off. Um, You got to let the gifts be the gifts. God brings them. We got to respond to them. Yeah. I'm I'm so thankful that we're even taking this opportunity to talk about this and even explain it more broadly, remind one another, remind the church, remind even ourselves about this. I, I, it's striking to me how deeply ingrained that is in a lot of our, particularly um, among our, our pastors, um, how it, it really is like the lens that we view the church through. I, so we're, we're recording this, we're, we're probably going to release it in like a week and a half. So we're recording this on the Sunday that we had a new members join the church. And I remember distinctly thinking this morning during the service, I was reflecting on the fact that in the midst of this past summer, kind of like all summers, but like there are people and members, longtime members of the church who have moved, who have, you know, jobs have shifted, opportunity and, and have uh, moved on. And I was thinking about that dynamic and the n- numerous, we had, so, we had so many people become members today, um, the numerous people that, that came in. And I, it's, I had the thought, oh, our church is different now. Like with all these people, like we, we have a new vision. We, we, or, you know, it's not fundamentally, un, but, but it's changed. Like the, the direction of our church has changed. The dynamic, the, the identity of our church has, has changed today. And, and I, was, I, was, I was like, man, I'm excited to see as we progress through and out of this, this season, I'm excited to see what, um, what, the, what this next season involves and what the next season of our church is. Um, because in one sense, selfishly, I, I want to determine, or I want God to tell me specifically what the next season of the church is supposed to be like, so that I can then communicate it with everybody, get everybody excited and get everybody on board. That's not how it works. Like we, we explore that. We discover that together. I remember just earlier we were talking with Sarah about, um, a desire to get tutors and volunteer tutors to help the, the nature of our church. You know, that, that, that's not something you can just create as a program, right? That that's because Sarah is a part of our church, right? And that becomes a part of what we're about, you know, as a part of the church. And so I, this perspective, both in leadership, but also just even as regards to our newest member really is a part of the, the, the DNA of who we are and how we function as a church. Um, and now, you know, Brian, you, you and I've been wrestling through this for 15, 16 years now since, um, uh, you know, since we were planning a church and told you can't do that. Um, okay. And kind of like trying to figure out, uh, I, maybe we, I don't know, maybe we can't like, I, I don't know. It seems, it seems like it's in scripture. Like, how do we, you know, apply this? Uh, Jose, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience with us being collaboratively structured because you, um, it's been a, a, a different journey for you. And I, I, th- I think even when you first became a pastor, like you, like you knew it, you, you heard about it, but I, I'm not sure you totally, you know, trusted it. 
or I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if that's the right way to put no, it. I, but I, I would love to hear a little bit about your journey in uh, embracing the nature of us being collaboratively structured. Well, the the model that I grew up under, I will say, and if I can compare it, it's uh, basically there is overall general there's the business model, right? Yeah. Of doing church, and uh, what God is doing here with us is is the family model. Uh, business have uh, places already assigned for you as you guys were already talking and you just come and fill them in but family is different right family is somebody comes into the family and you guys we all can relate how our families have changed just with the birth of one extra person <laughs> it changes the dynamic of everything and yeah. and and then you have to figure it out and, and and see what the strength and weaknesses what the gifting and we've been talking about gifting and and, and how, how how can we nurture that gift how we can uh, facilitate that gift how we can create an environment where that gifting can can shine and contribute and collaborate, right? Mm. That's 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 what yeah. we're talking about, that level of collaboration. So, Scott, to answer your question, when I came, I had more the business model yeah. <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. And then, and that's why I remember when uh, you were teaching that class, I said, you know, I'm just going to go see the class. So I want to learn, you know, what's going on and, and what, what, you know, what, 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 uh, it's all about, you know. And I remember seeing that image, the inside, the upside down upside pyramid. Down pyramid. Mm -hmm. and, and that's when things start changing for me. Mm. And I, then they continue to change. Some, uh, it's so ingrained, that model, mm. that I had a business before, you know, becoming a pastor. So so, so it's so ingrained in, in us that, that, as you were mentioning, Scott, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's good to, to hear you, Brian, talking about these things because even as you talk, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I came from that background and uh, embracing, uh, by the grace of God, the, the biblical one, let mm. me put it that way. And so, so how have you, um, how have you seen that benefit either? I mean, we can talk about either the, the, the church broadly or um, us as pastors specifically, you know, what, what, what is that? Yeah. What, oh what, yeah. What I, it, there is so many benefits. Uh, uh, one, I mean, I, I, two that I can mention at a very practical level is it, there is it, the other model, right? The business model, there's one at the top and that person, if he gets in trouble, he is in trouble. No, there's no accountability. There's nobody who's going to come and, and come and, and support you and be there alongside you. So we're a family. Mm -hmm. we're, we're all in this together. We watch for each other. So that's a very practical, clear implication that as, as we start having, uh, talking about elders among ourselves and, yeah. and, and asking those, those tough questions that need to be asked. So that's one. Uh, the other one is, is, is realizing that you're not alone in ministry and, and this is very easily, it's very easily said, but really this is very important, uh, especially for me. I mean, during the pandemic, you guys know, I, mm. I it, it got a little bit tough. I, I mean, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it, uh, everything, <laughs> everything came together at one point and, and, and I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't carry the burden. And, and then you guys have stepped in, Brian, you stepped in and, 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 and that remind me of this, that, that we're in this together. Mm. That, and, 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 I, I, and I wasn't even, you know, even that model, you know, okay, I have to do this, right? The old model, the business, I have to do this, I have to do this. And I kept on pushing and pushing. And then I started sinking and realizing that I couldn't. And, and then I just scream. You know? mm. I say, help guys, you know? Mm. I should have leaned on that model mm. earlier on 
and and uh, and then when I when I say guys I need help, you know it, it wasn't said like that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that, was, that was the idea. <laughs> I, I remember you guys uh, uh, basically uh, dropping off everything, uh, you know, to support me and and uh, give me a break and 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 that's 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 a very tangible, measurable uh, way of uh, that we can see. The, the this model that is it's a family yeah yeah what, what i mean what about for you i mean when you f- reflect on like the how that either frees us or empowers us as leaders and as a church you know what what is that what do you see i it's hard to even know where to begin because yeah. you're right it is so i forget i mean it's been a long time now and it mm-hmm. is it's hard to separate it out from anything else. You know, it's yeah. kind of like when you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that old bad illustration I used about mixing Play-Doh together where I got the colors wrong and everyone <laughs> texted me about it. But it's like, it's kind of like that you can't get them apart again. So as yeah. I look at everything, it's kind of built into everything now. I mean, I think Jose's illustration is perfect because mm. there is a big interpersonal caring dynamic. It's not just amongst the pastors. That's yeah. what you get when you are collaboratively structured. You, mm-hmm. you can't not do it in a kind of a holistic way. It's very difficult to just kind of, well, we're just going to talk about, you know, whatever ministry project. It's not, it's not how it works yeah. um, for a variety of reasons, but it's, you can't do that. And so that's a big piece of it. I also think that there's, uh, there's wisdom in an abundance of counselors. M- yeah. More voices is going to make for better decisions. Mm. Um, and so I've seen that as, as a pastor with, with both of you and with the rest of them, um, where we've talked about how we kind of have to embrace an inefficiency for that. You can't just like make the decision and implement it. Um, but what you give up in efficiency, you gain in wisdom and mm-hmm. reflection and being able to know that you're hearing from all different sides. And there's times that we've really slowed down on things that some of us probably wanted to go a lot faster on just for the sake of like, no, we're committed to this. Mm-hmm. And we know on the other side, the church is better for it. Mm-hmm. I also think that a big uh, piece of what this does to a church is it provides a climate of trust. I think uh, other models, again, intentionally or not, I don't know if anyone's trying to do it, but there's an idea of having to kind of make sure you're doing your job um, and of not being able to speak into things that are outside of like your job description. Even if you're a volunteer, Mm. like you don't get to say stuff because you have your like volunteer job description, you have your pastoral job description, you're, you fit here and there in the, in the pie chart or the organizational chart. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you, you feel like you can't say anything. There's like insecurity. There's questions of like, do they really trust me to do things? Do I really trust them? Like, do they have my own best interests in mind? And all that is just awful for any kind of culture. And the church is kind of an organism and an organization, right? And so like on the organizational side, you do that and it's just awful for an organization. Yeah. That's going to bleed into the organism too. Like, so, so the family now doesn't have a lot of like, tra- there's questions. Do you really care about me? Those are there normally because we're human. Yeah. So to exacerbate them by having this model that says like you can't speak out of your turn, like you don't have a voice, you don't have the right to like speak into anything else. Or if you try, we're not going to hear you because we can write it off. That's just not great. And so I feel like one of the things I love the most about Cornerstone is that for the most part, there's a culture of, tr- of mutual trust across the board, you know, vertically, horizontally, kind of everywhere you look. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's because we know that we're going to listen to each other. Um, even if we disagree and, and struggle and there's inefficiencies there and whatever, like 
you kind of know that you're not going to be entirely written off. And that's yeah. a, I think it's a beautiful thing. So, I mean, there's lots more I could say there, but yeah. those are just some. No, it's, it's so interesting. I was, I was actually just um, talking about this, brainstorming about it uh, just yesterday with my brother-in-law, um, who's also a pastor. And he used a phrase I just I, I really appreciate it. He He's talking about how we, as the church as a whole, have this, like as a family, we just have this, this huge number of people that are like people to be followed. Right. Like there, there's not. And, and when we minimize it to like a leadership of one or even just a small group, um, we, we miss the, the concept that the New Testament paints, which is a family. Right. Which is this multifaceted family. And and the church is filled with a whole host of different people. My, my hope is that in the midst of in your experience in the local church, you have a handful of different people you look to and like, you know, you know what? I. There's an aspect of their life like I kind of want to emulate. There's a teaching I get from them that I that I that, that encourages me, that points me towards Christ, and that that that's not all housed in the preacher, <laughs> right? That that's not all housed in in the sermon on Sunday, um, but that it's it's multifaceted and comes in numerous different forms, and um, and, and and so we we do that, and we also see that biblically by even just the two simple offices of, of, of elder overseer and, and deacon or what we call servant ministers. Right? This is why the, the church is filled with spiritually qualified people that are qualified to minister to and care for one another um, that, that then not only are there, is there a number of them, but they, they, they function then and we all function collaboratively sharpening one another, right? Growing together, um, speaking truth to one another, um, and and so that that has to exist. I, I mean, in, in a biblical model, that has to exist on every level. And and the the most heartbreaking thing to me is when I when I meet pastors who have worked diligently to create that for everyone in their church, and they feel like they're the one person who doesn't get to participate. And, and I like, and I think it is. I think it's a natural result of the business model, you know. And and by and by the business model, just to even clarify, what we mean by is the 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 model the church has oftentimes adopted, where there's a board. Sometimes you call it the elder board, who oversees a CEO, right, a senior pastor, and VPs or your associate pastors, and who you know develop programs and structure things according to that, and and which was has been adopted off of modern organizational structures, but just we, we just don't see it in scripture. And, and what we see in scripture is much more, the, we don't see the analogies of modern business, we see the analogies of body, we see the analogies of family, um, which is also fascinating to me because one of the questions I get most often from people unfamiliar, uh, I, I hardly ever get questions from people who've been here a while, Right. But people who are unfamiliar with maybe they've come from somewhere else, whether it's another pastor or even just a new member, the single most common question I get is how do you make decisions? Right. If you're going to collaborate, yeah. if you're going to have a team, if, you, if you're not going to like, like, how do you how do you make decisions? Which is always striking to me because it's like the least of our problems. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've got all sorts of issues trying to collaborate together. There's all sorts of tensions and like things we got to deal with. But making decisions just isn't one of them. I, I, I you know, this, that's funny what you're saying, but I, I, I think I'm just trying to to expound in, yeah, yeah. In, in, in that what you just said, 
is that this family model cultivates and allows for humility. Mm. I, I, I think I, I, th- I think that we recognize each other's gifting and, that, and, I, and, and, and we honor that yeah. and we submit to those giftings. Yeah. And, and, and so, so there is, in that recognition, there, there's a posture of humility. Mm. All right, you, okay, this person is good at this. Okay, God, you know, thank you for him. Thank you for her. We, we, we'll go with that. Yeah, you know, and, and cultivates that, and I think that that's beautiful. There, there is, there is, there's humility and, and hence love, yeah. and and that is what what allows for that, and that's why we don't struggle with that. I think by the grace of God, mm-hmm. we have learned, we're learning, I guess, that also, uh, to recognize the gifting. I absolutely, yeah, I think it's exactly right. It, it frees us to yeah. actually respect, give respect to whom respect is due, give right. honor to whom honor is due, to recognize gifting. To, to see how God builds his church. I mean, and, and the other side to that is, I think to say to say that that's not a struggle isn't to mean that we're always like, this is like, you know, uh, fairy tale land where we all like easily agree on everything. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that we, when we don't, we don't see that as an impediment to getting the things done that should get done. When we don't agree, we see it as God directing us in a way that's different than I would draw it up if it were me, but it's but I, I trust it. I trust the Lord in it. I trust one another in it, and 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 it, it can be inefficient, um, but it, it also makes me. It, it, when I get those questions so often, it actually makes me. It concerns me about how we view and even practice life in our in our own families. Right, if you, you can't imagine how decisions get made in the church that's structured like a family, then how do you make decisions in your family, right? Or how yeah. do you th- assume decisions should get made in a family, right? Like everybody gives an opinion, but then the boss like says whatever they want. Like I, I you know, I, I just I don't even think that's what biblical headship entails, even in a family. Um, right, it, it it's filled with humility, it's filled with deference. Um, it's filled with respect and honor. It's, it's, it's filled with a desire to pursue what the Lord wants together. And sometimes in the midst of that, it does refer to, you know what, that's not, it, it does, the humility manifests itself in a way that says, you know, I, uh, that's not the decision I'd make. But it seems like, based on the collaboration here, the way we should go. Um, and... Or I, I'm, I'm trusting one another. Right? I'm trusting others who maybe have more experience or wisdom in certain areas. Um, and at times when I say, like, I can't, like, this is that important. I, like, I'm not comfortable with this. Then we, re- we, we work through that together. We don't just say, oh, well, too bad you lost the vote. <laughs> right? We don't just say, oh, well, too bad you're not the one in charge. Right? We, we wrestle with that mm-hmm. and, and work through it together, which is, uh, yeah, can be inefficient at times. Well, let me actually rephrase that. It can feel inefficient at times. That's probably better. Yeah. But I think it's actually the the most efficient way to follow the Lord because we're not constantly bouncing back and forth, you know, from our own desires. And in that way, I think you're working with. At some point, I want to say that this is how the gospel cashes out on the ground. I, again, I'm not saying in this particular structure of it, or the, like you have to organize it this specific yeah, yeah, yeah. way that we yeah, do. Yeah. But what we're talking about is that this structure tends to sort of spring up from a certain posture, a certain way of understanding how to be together, um, where humility is kind of the cover charge to get in. 
and mm. when you when you lose it, you it, it, the whole thing breaks. Yeah. And so there's just ways that the reason we can make decisions is because we we trust each other, and we trust each other not because we're always trustworthy, but because we know that we're following the same one who is. Mm-hmm. And so there's forgiveness and love and security, and so you feel okay. You just you're calmer. I don't know. I'm I'm calmer mm. um, than I probably would be somewhere else where I don't have the same level of trust. But that's not just relational equity. It's also just gospel, and doing it together as a family. I think Jose's business family thing is genius. It's just so yeah. it's just a, the perfect way of articulating these these two two things. Yeah. It, it has a lot of legs. You can fill it out really well. But then yeah, and in that way you kind of have something really protective too built in. You talk about benefits. Uh-huh. I mean, it, the idea of someone coming in at any level in a church like this and trying to power grab is just not going to go well because no. it's going to grate so much against what the community is like. Yeah. It's just not going to work. And there's a really beautiful protective element to that where it's like, mm. they're going to have to find somewhere else. If they like, people are going to look at them sideways if they're trying to like steamroll people, <laughs> like, you know, like, like be like, no, I'm going to be the one who makes this decision. Like what a weird, yeah. po- it just, it feels so strange here, but I know it's not strange everywhere. And that's kind of sad. Um, but boy, is it great that it's here. And I think that's a, it is in a, in a way it's the gospel fleshed out. In some ways the core values can all be thought of as fallout from that gospel centeredness, from the idea of who Jesus is and what he has for us. Um, but uniquely here, you're finding that culture of gospel centeredness that we talked about in the earlier podcast about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just cashed out in like ethereal culture. It's also in how we structure ourselves and mm-hmm. how we want to engender that through the way that we structure ourselves. And that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. You know, and, and it, I think that's a that's such an important distinction because it, it's not just about, hey, you know, we've structured it exactly right, and every church should be structured officially. That's not that's not it at all. Uh, this is the overflow of that. This is the this is the application of those principles. This is the best application of those principles for us as we try to do that. But the principles at the core are humility, right? Are character qualifications for any form of leadership, whether it's servant ministers or elders, right? This is why the, this only works if the character qualifications for First Timothy Titus are, are actually applied. Um, because, and that's why it grates, somebody without that kind of character trying to power grab, it's why it would grate against it. You'd be like, what, wait, it, this is a, it doesn't belong here. It, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have that aroma of Christ that we're you know, imperfectly, but striving to engender here. Um, and, and I think it, 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 that those qualifications and that humility and that deference um, put into practice looks like some form of collaboratively structured. And I think that's why that's a core value for us. It's not necessarily the exact structure that we have, right? Could you do that with somebody who's called a senior pastor? I, probably. Sure. You know, like I, it's not, I, we think that might make things a little bit harder, but I, that's, that's not the issue. And it's not about like our structure that's sex or sanctum. It, it's a, but it is about the application of the, the application of the gospel in one another. And as we relate to one another as a family and as a local church is going to be, uh, the thought is of it's going to be collaborative in nature, um, which is why it's one of the, the things we value so centrally to our life as a family together. And why it's, it's because we also think it's, it's important for it to be distinct from um, so often where churches can just forget that and um, get swept up in, in the way that 
you just kind of either got handed things in the world or even got handed things in your own um, in your own Christian background. So um, with that, any any just last encouragement to people as they as people want to engage, as people like either maybe want to get involved, quote unquote, or uh, uh, manifest that live out any either resources that are really helpful for them or even just encouragements that you would give them to um, live this out together with one another um, as a part of our body. I, I will just repeat what uh, Brian, you ground everything in the gospel. Yeah. I mean, to me that, that, you know, collaborative structure is, 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 is the fleshing out of the gospel in very practical ways. And I think the more we're grounded in the gospel, understanding the love that God has for us, that love that changes us, and, and our allegiance and the willingness to follow him, the, 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 the actually one pastor of the church, right, Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think having that and, and having that desire and cultivating that wanted to, wanted to know Jesus and to be like him, I, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's just powerful. The gospel is powerful. It just changes everything. Mm. I mean, there's, in terms of resources, like there, it's, it's hard. I mean, this is a weird thing. There's, I mean, Ryan Hartwick has that Teams That yeah. Thrive book that we're in, but that's more yeah. like a, here's how it works in a few different places. It's more about like kind of business team, like the team management kind of stuff. Yeah. But it is about like the idea of open doors and, mm. you know, collaboration. Um, I, I mean, Jerry Bridges has a book on humility. <laughs> I think about those things a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think this is one of the things that we, our core values started with. Um, we had to write these down because they were so baked into kind of the, the ethos of the church, kind of the way we put it. Uh-huh. But we didn't have a way of saying them. So mm-hmm. you kind of had to just like show up and be around for a while. Yeah, I don't know. Hang out <laughs> and you'll get it eventually. But that's not helpful. And, and, and yet for resources, for something like this, mm-hmm. Um, it makes me think like you really, yeah, do that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like be around, you know, and ask us questions. And yeah. cause I think for a lot of people, it is strange. I still remember, uh, one new person at the church. Now they weren't even that new. It was like a year in. And I saw them in the back green space, you know, back before we didn't get to see each other. Yeah. And like, and I was hanging out and they were with a friend and I was like, just talking with them and said, okay, see you guys later. And later on the, the mutual friend texted me and said, man, they couldn't believe like the pastor stopped by to like talk with them. It was like a big deal. I was like, man, that's that feels weird. Like, I yeah. think, like we're, because of this collaborative structure. Like, I think yeah. for some people, there is a sense that uh, the the structures of the church are kind of off limits. Yeah. You know, um, where when you're a family, that's not how it works. Um, and so, just being being involved in that sense, you know, asking questions, uh, getting into a community group, and seeing how those function, those function collaboratively structured a lot. Mm. It's kind of how they are, how they're mm. built to be. It's to not just be like one person, like teaching stuff the entire time, but to live life together in, in, a, in a really important way. Like those are all ways that I think you, this is the kind of thing you kind of got to catch, even though there probably should be resources on it. Yeah. Um, that, that would be my, my suggestion is just hang out with the community group, love them, and then just hang out with us and yeah. ask us questions and we can kind of help you see how this works on, on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> is that a non-answer? Did I just That's do a non-answer? Fine. That was totally good. No, it, it, it made me think of all the like awkward conversations we've had over the years with you know even like other pastors who, are, who like sit and be like, oh yeah, secretly try to figure out who the senior pastor is. <laughs> like, wait, I think it's you. I think it's <laughs> you. Didn't tell you didn't here? tell them it was me, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> 
I might have once or twice. We always tell him it's Bill. He is our senior pastor. He's our seniorest pastor. He is the seniorest. Well, I mean, I and I, I mean, I hope, I hope people, and I hope people, whether it's in the podcast, but even more just interpersonally, get a sense for what uh, a privilege it is to get to serve with you guys. I mean, I know, like, that's one of the greatest privileges and, and honors of my life. Um, and I feel the same way with our entire team, our, our, our current team and the guys that we've served with and sent out and, you mm-hmm. know, they've been a part of that over in various ways over the years. And, and not just among our pastors, but among uh, our, our church as a whole, like God is, God is building his church. And it is so humbling to even get to be a part of that and get to be used in um, in unique ways according to our unique gifting in unique seasons. And um, our, our heart, if you're listening to this, if you're a part of the church family, our heart is that you would feel that and know that too. That you would know that this church is, it, its vision, its direction, its identity is different because you're here. And so whatever those, th- those passions, uh, the, the burdens, on your heart, we, we want to collaborate with you in that, in, with your, in your community groups, in our, you know, church as a whole. This is why we as, as pastors want to be connected, um, relationally, right? So it's so that it's not weird. Like, Oh, like a pastor talked to me. Well, of, of course he did. Like we're, he not only talks to me, he also like listens to me. There's so many of us. Yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> um, you gotta give us something to do, you know? Um, <laughs> no, but it, it really is, uh, a blessing to get to be a part of this. And, and I think the, this core value is one of those ones that we get, when we get to reflect on it, um, highlights yeah. that unique privilege in some unique ways. So uh, thanks for listening. Um, we are incredibly privileged to get to be your pastors and even get to communicate with you in this unique way too. So we will see you virtually on Sunday. <laughs>